back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I'm flying solo for this episode. It is right before Christmas, but there's some information I wanted to put out before Christmas because we got some big events coming up that I wanted to cover. So I wanted to do a quick Q&A episode. This will probably be a little bit shorter than normal, but I'll cover some topics and some upcoming announcements that are pretty big, both within the Strength and Speed world, but also in OCR in general. So let's start with the q and I posted on my Facebook page. Before we get to anything else, though, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Rapid Reboot. If you're not familiar with Rapid Reboot, they are compression leggings. that I, You can actually have both leggings, hips, and arm sleeves. So they're those fancy systems you may have seen in recovery stores or in some uh, high-end gyms. But essentially, they're entire sleeves for your legs you slide into. They compress by zones by using compressed air, help circulate your blood, get you recovered quickly. Phenomenal product. I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, so Rapid Reboot is the name of the company, and they are now a partner slash sponsor of the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team. So watch out for Rapid Reboot. We're going to be bringing some of them to the Conquer the Gauntlet events to let some people try out. Anytime we do a pro team takeover in the future, we'll bring them there. And for some of my big ultra OCR stuff I have coming up in 2020, I'll have a pair there also. So watch out. Check them out, rapidreboot.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. So wanted to go over some Q&A stuff, so I posted to my timeline, you know, hey, ask me any questions about OCR, and I'll answer them on air. Normally, people ask a lot more training questions, but for some reason this time, maybe because most of the season's over and people are going to the off-season, a lot of them were industry questions. And I had some answers prepared, and then I got out of the Rise of Skywalker movie about two hours ago, and I look on my Facebook, and there's a big announcement that Spartan has bought out Tough Mudder UK and Tough Mudder Germany and Tough Mudder Canada. Um, and then it doesn't say anything about Tough Mudder US yet, but there's a lot of rumors right going around like they haven't bought them out yet. So, you know, what does that mean for the future of Tough Mudder? You know, what is Spartan up to? Lots of questions are up in the air, and to say I know a lot of the details would be complete speculation. Um, but I am going to answer some of the Q&A questions that were asked on my page despite this recent announcement. So the first one is from Gary Shaw. It says, is Spartan doing too much too quick? Tough Mudder pulled a similar stunt introducing Tough Mudder Half, Tough Mudder 5K in 2018, and had to quickly abandon ship. Could Spartan make the same mistake with all of their recent expansion? You know, from my perspective, Tough Mudder was doing too much too fast because they were targeting the same audience. And I think where Spartan is making good moves, again, this is just from an outsider perspective, is they appear to be targeting different markets, unlike Tough Mudder, right? Tough Mudder, they get people running the half, the 5K, and the full, you know, we're all basically the same people, you know? And then they had those, the tougher championships and the world's, the, you know, world's toughest mudder and toughest mudder. So they were really targeting a lot of the same demographic. They were just kind of moving them around and, you know, having them pay multiple entries. What I think Spartan is doing well is they're targeting different demographics. So they, you know, in addition to their normal 
OCR series, they they started targeting trail runners, which I don't know how successful that's been, um, because I think their prices are a lot higher than a normal trail race. But then they also, like we talked about on the last episode, they started a Spartan fight line, right? So the guy who's typically rolling around doing mixed martial arts or Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not the same guy running down the course. You know, there's there's a tiny bit of crossover, as it was with pretty much everything, but it's really marginal, right? So we did have Derek Jacobs, competitive eater, slash uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, slash OCR athlete on the podcast before, but, you know, that's a very, very small percentage. You know, they also announced their DecaFit, which looks like a TMX-type event, or looks like a condensed version of their Spartan Stadium-type event. And again, I think that's targeting CrossFit-type athletes, not necessarily OCR athletes. Again, you are going to get some crossover at because some people just like unconventional fitness, but I think they're really trying to pull in a different consumer base versus just moving people who are already addicted to the brand in and around. So is Spartan doing too much too quick? Mm, I mean, I, I guess not. They, they seem to be doing well, and um, like I said, I think they're targeting different consumer bases, which is going to help your industry grow. You know, the Historically, if you look at companies that don't try to branch out and try new things, uh, that just stay stagnant with their one product, they a lot of times they go under, right? Like, I mean, if kids who grew up in the 80s, 90s, and think of like Kodak or Blockbuster or, or companies like that that just did not evolve with the times and just went under. And I think with social media and the internet and all that stuff, I think companies have to evolve more rapidly uh, than they used to, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You know, the big news from a couple hours ago was Spartan did buy some of Tough Mudder's franchises, right? So they bought the Canada, UK, and Germany ones. And the only post that I've seen from Mudder and Guide uh, was saying that the Spartan owner, Joe DeSena, was saying he's going to focus on non-competitive events for Tough Mudder. Um, so for me personally, you know, what does that mean for Toughest Mudder and World's Toughest Mudder? Well, you know, as of this recording, for Toughest Mudder and World's Toughest Mudder, theoretically those events should still be on because they're all in the U.S., um, there is like a UK toughest mutter. Uh, it's a good question of what is the status of that for 2020. And honestly, it's a good question. I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I would suspect they let toughest mutter and world toughest mutter go for another year at least, um, if they have any intentions of cutting it off. But you never know. I will say one thing though that Spartan historically has made very good on their promises to fulfill customers. So you know. Worst case scenario, they cancel Toughest, they cancel World's Toughest. I would expect Spartan to issue a full refund or to be able to transfer directly to another race, right? So, like, if you paid for World's Toughest, I would expect them to be allowed to transfer that registration to wherever Spartan's Ultra World Championship is, which I know for some people that may not be good because Dallas might have been an hour down the road and wherever Spartan's Ultra World Championship is may be on the other side of the world. But, uh, yeah. I guess we'll we'll see what the future holds. So kind of along the same topic, Kelly Williams, one of the strength and speed athletes we've had on the podcast before. She was in the episode with Jason Rulo where we were talking about World's Toughest Mudder. Uh, she also had her own standalone episode with us if you want to go back in the archives. She asked, with the new type of competitions like High Rocks and Spartan Deca, how do you think it will affect the sport of OCR? Will it water down the competition for OCR, bring new people into it and off the couch, or be a flop or simply be a whole lot of fun? With the watering down of competition, again, I think the markets there are different. You do get some crossover, right, like Hunter McIntyre and some of the Kempson brothers, right? There is a little bit of crossover there, 
Um, and we saw that a little bit with TMX. But if you look at the second year of TMX compared to the first year of TMX, the first year was a lot of OCR people because that's who physically heard about it, right? If, if you're not following those circles, you're not going to hear about the event. So I think initially you'll, you might see some OCR people crossing over uh, to High Rocks or Decafit. But I think, you know, fast forward two or three years, you're going to see a whole list of names there that, you know, CrossFitters may be familiar with, but we aren't, or a bunch of new athletes who, you know, neither CrossFit nor us has heard of. So I don't think it will water down the sport of OCR at all. I think people will find whatever they want to find that fits their interest. You know, Corinna Coffin was on the Battle Frog Pro team made pretty big waves in OCR in her first two years in the sport and really climbed to the top, I mean, almost immediately, and then switched to CrossFit. And she's essentially focusing on that now. She still did, you know, she still did TMX the two years it was around, but she went to CrossFit despite, I would argue, um, as like a, you know, a business move, I, I think she should have stayed in OCR. But if OCR is not what makes her happy, if CrossFit's what makes her happy, then that's a better move for her. But I would almost put money down that she made more money and would have been able to get more sponsors and more benefit if she stayed in the OCR circles uh, because of her ability to run fast and do obstacles well. Versus I think CrossFit is just it's just too lift-centric and uh, you really need to be at the very, very top end of the strength spectrum um, which gets into a whole host of other problems to do well there. I think the people that are coming in to do Decafit or High Rocks are going to stay in that stadium series kind of CrossFit-y type uh, workout scenario events. Um, I don't think you'll see a lot of those people crossing into regular OCR. Yeah, I mean, you might get some of the some of the more open waves that are just, like I said, looking for unconventional fitness, but no, nah, I don't think it'll I don't think it'll water anything down, and I think. Um, you know, hopefully it will bring more people off the couch. Yeah, the future looks interesting at this point. Uh, a lot, a lot, you know, it's hard to guess what's going to go on. You know, I think I've I've made predictions in the past, um, and I was generally looking at a model where Tough Mudder and Spartan were still around and Warrior Dash were still around. You know, and in the last year that has been turned upside down. And uh, Tough Mudder hasn't gone away yet, uh, but with Spartan acquiring some of their assets it seems like the move of a sinking ship right like i'm going to sell off part of the company to keep the rest of the company afloat um hopefully that's not the case and hopefully the u.s brand of tough mutter is doing well uh, at least you know from, from the awards brunch in um it sounded like they were doing well but again no company is going to tell you that things aren't going well um, because if they tell you that, then that just drives more business away, and then things really won't be going well. But you know, again, we'll see what uh, we'll see what the future has in store for Tough Mudder US. Speaking of Tough Mudder US, uh, Seth Townsend asked, "Can you go over brand and types of wetsuits that you would wear for World's Toughest Mudder?" This is kind of a hard question because I don't try on that many wetsuits, right? Because the one wetsuit I buy will last me two to three years per wetsuit. I will say the one wetsuit I have tr I have that I really like is this Orca Swim Run wetsuit. So it's designed for swimming and running. It has a front zipper, unlike most wetsuits, which have a back zipper. You know, it has different thicknesses around your legs and upper body to kind of give you a little more 
warmth in the upper body and a little more move, move mobility in the legs. I really like that one. I wore that for a couple laps at World's Toughest Mudder and thought it worked really well. Afterwards, I switched into a full-length wetsuit that was made by Neosport, and I think it was a 3-4 or 4-5, something like that. And the brand I had was not... didn't I didn't feel like it was super flexible. I did switch brands this year. I got a Hyperflex wetsuit, and it feels a little more mobile. You know, when I tested it out during daylight hours when I'm not completely exhausted. Um, the other wetsuit, when I put it on after running like 60 miles, it felt like I was having active resistance against my legs, you know, almost tiring me out even more. So I don't have the best suggestions for wetsuit. I'd say... If you want to be competitive and you want to run in the wetsuit, uh, the Orca Swim Run is definitely up there. And then if you want to have another wetsuit for when you're slower and you're planning on walking the majority of it, I'd go with a Hyperflex, you know, 3, 4, or 4, 5. Yeah, that's the thickness of the wetsuit millimeters. In addition to the actual wetsuit, you know, I also have obviously Blegmitz Extremes on that I wear for the race. A lot of times I wear my Neptune shirt underneath, which has the little heater packs in, and that also acts as a rash guard so you don't get chafing. Um, I also wear the Marina Sport shorts underneath, also prevent chafing. Those are the only shorts I've worn for World's Toughest that I've had zero chafing, and I've, that's what I've done the last three years. And then a neoprene hood is always a good idea, right? You never know how cold it's going to get, and a neoprene hood is nice to keep your head warm. I have a Frog Skins one that I like to use. So yeah, still kind of figuring out what I think is the actual best wetsuit, but it's hard to say because I, I typically wear them once a year. I wear them for World's Toughest, and that's it. I usually don't wear them for Toughest because I'm typically running the whole time, and the weather is not cold enough for me personally to wear a wetsuit. If you are walking for a lot of a Toughest mutter, whether it be 8 or a 12-hour, you're probably going to need a full. Obviously, that's weather-dependent. All right, we can keep cruising. Uh, Damien Shimo asks... If you were forced to choose only one body weight exercise and one free weight exercise that you could do for the rest of your life, what would you choose and why? He's also got a couple follow-up questions, but we'll answer that one first. So free weight exercise, I would go with deadlifts. I think it's a great full body movement. You know, it gets your legs a little bit. It gets your arms. Gets your, you know, depending on how you grip the bar, um, can stress different parts of your arms, gets your back. Uh, it's a pure strength movement, right? You're just lifting heavy weights up off the ground. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a full, great full-body movement, applicable to everyday life, right? Lifting heavy things off the ground using proper form. So I think that's that's a good one there. Uh, I'm also pretty good at them, so that probably plays a factor into my logic also. But I think if, you know, deadlifts are a good choice or really any barbell off-the-floor type exercise. So, you know, cleans or uh, stuff like that. I usually don't do Olympic lift type movements though, so that would not be one of my first choices. But I could see any any movement where you're taking the barbell off the ground and putting it to your shoulders or above your head would be a good good option. And for body weight, again, I would go with another back centric exercise. So I'd go with pull ups, just because there's a lot of variety you can add in there to target different parts of your back and different parts of your arms, depending on how you grip the bar and realistically what types of holds you're grabbing. You know, whether you're doing a regular pull-up bar, which is good for just overall strength or, you know, weighted belt plus regular pull-up bar for overall strength, or if you want to use something like hanging atomic climbing hold grips on, that really gets a different type of 
forearm strength and can be applied to things like obstacle course racing, which at the end of the day is also important because that's what that's what most of our listeners do for sport. Damien also asks, are you going to try out Indian Mud Run's three laps chief challenge this year? So I do have Indian Mud Run penciled into my calendar. I have not finalized my calendar yet um, because things are obviously still up in the air as we've been, already been talking about this podcast. Um, but there is some other pretty... Typically, the Indian Mud Run is right around when... It's usually on the same date as the CTG. It's not this year, so you can still do both. But it's usually right after I do some some big ultra event. So in the past, it's been right after Toughest Mudder. It's also been right after Enduro, the uh, True Grid Australia event, the 24-hour OCR there. Uh, this year, there is a teaser announced for... Um, Nuclear Race is actually doing a 24-hour OCR called The Meltdown, June 20th to 21st, which is the week before Indian Mud Run. So in the event, I suddenly have an urge to fly to UK and do The Meltdown, uh, whether that be as an individual or as a team, then I would probably not be at Indian Mud Run, because I, if I want to show up to Indian Mud Run, I want to I want to be in good shape. I don't want to be a week post-24-hour uh, race and be kind of a mess, so... Uh, if I don't do the meltdown, high probability I will be at Indian Mud Run. Uh, if I do do the meltdown, high probability I will not be at Indian Mud Run. Either way, for if you're local to Ohio or in the want to take a trip, Hubie Cushman's Indian Mud Run is a great course uh, from what all my friends say. So, and from talking to him personally, I would I would definitely check that out. And again, that's been on my bucket list the last like three years. Just hasn't panned out for me. He does have one more question. It's about my thoughts on the new Star Wars trilogy. I do want to cover the rest of the OCR stuff first before we start talking off-topic. So let's talk about some of the exciting OCR stuff we have coming up. So if you haven't entered the Hannibal Race giveaway, you need to head over to Strength and Speed right now and enter it because by the time this podcast comes out, you'll probably have about two days left to enter. So again, we're giving away Conquer the Gauntlet book, Strength and Speed. Am I giving away Strength and Speed? No, I'm not giving away that one. Um, giving away Muttering Guides Ultra OCR Bible, Muttering Guides OCR Bucket List, Ultra OCR Man, Blegmate Lights, Blegmate Extremes, and one lucky person will get a round-trip ticket, hotel, travel to the race, race entry to Hannibal Race Kuwait. So essentially it's like an all-expense-paid trips to Hannibal Race Kuwait. You'll be accompanied by Brenna. Uh, unfortunately, work won't give me off, so I will not be going this year. So that leaves you and Brenna whoever the lucky winner is, to go on the Hannibal Race Kuwait trip. So, one, I wanted to tell you to enter. Two, I wanted to let people know I will not be attending um, due to work reasons, part of the challenge of being a full-time employee and also having a side thing doing OCR, racing OCR, and producing content for OCR. Speaking of producing content, the other thing I wanted to let you know is releasing my first audiobook coming probably any day now as of this release of this episode. So Ultra OCR Man, my biography from Special Forces Soldier to Record Setting Professional Obstacle Course Racer uh, will be released on Audible through Amazon. So you, if you don't have Audible, you can buy the book directly. I'm not sure what it's actually going to be listed at, at this point. Or if you have Audible, you can use one of your credits and get the book. It's about eight hours long. I just proof listened to the whole thing over the last two days. It came out really, really good. Yeah, definitely need to check it out. I I personally loved it. Obviously, I mean, I wrote it, so I loved it. But 
you know, hearing a lot of the stories from both my combat deployments and from some of the challenges I've done through OCR America, Ultra OCR Grand Slam, and Endure the Gauntlet, uh, it was kind of really fun to reminisce on a lot of those things. I do name drop a lot of people in the, in the book, and that's on purpose. You know, this sport is obviously much bigger than myself, and I really wanted to thank those people and recognize a lot of the other great athletes we have in the sport. So as you go through it, you know, if you're currently involved in the sport or a fan of the sport, you'll recognize, I mean, I literally dropped probably two dozen or more names in there um, from, you know, people that helped pace me at Endure the Gauntlet. You know, pretty much if you pace me at any point during Endure the Gauntlet, I tried to include your name. And then also, you know, lead athletes from other sports. So as I'm telling my story, I mention, you know, what some of the other people were doing. Um, obviously, you know, big names in the sport like Anyone who's kind of interviewed in the back of my books are mentioned in there. And then on top of that, a lot of the other people who have backsided the industry and helped out. So make sure you save an audible credit for that and pick up a copy. Will I release my other books on audiobook? That really depends on how this one sells, right? It costs a lot of money to produce, so it put a large initial investment up front. So if this one sells well, then I will go ahead and release some of the other ones on audiobook. If this one does not sell well... You know, I probably won't release the other ones. So uh, if you want to hear Ultra OCR Bible updated with new information or Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing updated with new information, pick up a copy of Ultra OCR Man, and I will go ahead and update those and then release them again in audiobook format so I can reach a wider audience and continue to spread some of the message of uh, training for OCR and spreading the sport. See what else. I also got my annual Ultra OCR Bad Idea charity event. Currently locking down a couple things, so I don't want to make the official announcement yet. I'll just say um, January 19th to the 27th, I would keep some vacation days open in that in that week time span. And um, hopefully I will get to see you at some point over those eight days. So keep some time open. You know, put a pencil in on your calendar. And pay attention to Strength and Speed in my personal Facebook page as well as Mud Run Guide. I'm going to be releasing that announcement as soon as I can lock down a couple more things. So again, it will be raising money for Folds of Honor just like I've done with all my other events. 100% of the entry cost goes to Folds of Honor. So I don't take, you know, the the money that I use to print the shirts and print and make the belt buckles that are given out to participants of the event. I fundraise for separately or use money out of my own pocket that way we can maximize the amount of money going to Folds of Honor. So make sure you support that and watch for those links to donate or to sign up for an event. I think that's about it for major OCR news. Running out of uh, Blegmate Extremes. I think we just have large left, maybe a couple of mediums left. And then on top of that, we have small, medium, large lights left. So a decent number of those, but those also go pretty quick. So if you're holding out to buy one, I'd pick those up sooner rather than later. Finally, a quick shout-out to Otherworld Fitness, uh, which used to be called Otherworld OCR, training gym in Frederick, Maryland. I've been training there this past week, so I would definitely look at some of those videos on my Facebook page or head over to their website. Or if you're from the Maryland area or passing through the Maryland area, I would check out their gym. It's awesome. They have one of the original Battle Frog Platinum Rigs indoors. So it used to be like eight lanes wide or something insane. Uh, and to save space and to open it up for more general fitness, he changed it so it's essentially two lanes about five bays long though so it's one lane one bay longer than a normal platinum rig so it does work your grip strength pretty good even though it's on a single crossing ton of great obstacles in there too 
I actually think it's the best OCR gym in the country. So Otherworld OCR or Otherworld Fitness now in Frederick, Maryland. Speaking of gyms, if you want to see some ninja footage, check out the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team page. We did a Mud Run God live feed from Michelle Warnke's gym, Movement Lab Ohio, in the middle of December. So I think it was December 16th weekend, or 15th it was, I believe. That'll also go up on the CTG Pro Team Facebook page and the CTG Pro Team website under the gym section. Finally, if you're looking for training for 2020, the CTG Pro Team is now doing a training group. So we were originally going to release three workouts a week and in a private Facebook group for paying members. Uh, monthly fees optional, or you can do a yearly fee and save money. And we're going to, the, the training plan is written by the Pro Team, right? So we've used other training programs before, but with the amount of variation we have amongst the athletes, we couldn't really find one that fit all of us really well. So we just kind of created our own, uh, which seems to be working better from looking at the plan. And it is very CTG focused, right? So you're not going to get, um, you're not going to get, you know, walk up a hill carrying a bucket, right? Because that's not a typical CTG obstacle. There may be, you know, a sandbag carry, but a lot of the, you're not going to see a spear throw in there or anything like that or, or practicing burpees because those things are not applicable to conquer the gauntlet. So we took CTG very specific workouts, CTG style workouts that the pros actually do that we are using to train, and we actually build up a build period and taper period for all the Conquer the Gauntlet races. So instead of subscribing to like a generic fitness plan that may not fit your schedule, if you're planning on racing Conquer the Gauntlet and want to do well at them, or really any mandatory obstacle completion race, uh, whether that be Savage, OCR World Championships, Indian Mud Run, Fit Challenge, etc., Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team Training Group is a great option. Again, we do build periods and taper periods for the uh, seven CTG races that are in 2020 currently, and then we do a final build and taper for OCR World Championships for those of you who go on to Stratton, Vermont in 2020. So great training plan. Besides the four workouts a week you're getting, you're also going to get access to the entire pro team in a single Facebook group, right? So you can post a question specifically, especially as you have problems or just have generic training questions or diet questions, stuff like that, in the group, and you'll get you get answers from the team. Almost the entire team has some sort of certification. You know, mine's a National Strength and Conditioning Association certified personal trainer. We have NASM certified personnel in there. Uh, Rock Tape certified specialist in there. A couple people from the group. I mean, more, again, more than half the team has an actual personal training certification, which is going to be better than you're going to get at a at a local gym. And then this is our primary goal. You know, with most of the athletes on the team focusing on the four-mile CTG or around that distance race, uh, you're really going to get specialized work. I'll obviously be in the group too, so if you're in the group, if you want to focus more on ultra OCR, especially on CTG Continuum, I will let you know all my secrets to winning. Um, you can go ahead and join there and feel free to ask around, and I, I'll go ahead and tell you tell it to them, right? Because it's not holding anything back. I want everyone, you know, at the end of the day, I want everyone to succeed as best they can to the best of their ability. You know, and if I beat you or you beat me, I want it to be because you trained harder and worked better that day. So uh, nothing to hold back here. Check out the CTG Pro Team Facebook group. Training, so you can sign up on the CTG Pro Team website in the, in the Pro Shop, and then we will add you to the actual training group once you've done that. More details are on the Pro Team website, or you can just shoot me a text message or a Facebook message, whatever, and I will answer those for you. All right, last question of the day, and we're going to stray wildly off topic here. So Damien Shemo asked, what did I think of the new Star Wars trilogy? So I'm, 
I literally just walked out after finishing the movie of Rise of Skywalker about three hours ago, two, three hours ago. So I will avoid spoilers, so even if you haven't seen it, you can still listen to this. Um, but what do I think of the new trilogy? I mean, I think I think they're doing an absolutely great job, to be honest with you. You know, there's fans of any series or franchise that will love them regardless of what they do, and there are fans that will be critical of them regardless of what they do, right? So I think you've, especially in The Last Jedi, there, uh, episode 8, you saw a lot of people being very, very critical of it, and you also saw a lot of people love it, so... You know, you're never going to make everyone happy. I thought uh, 7, 8, and 9, they just did a phenomenal job overall. I think 9 people will be, I think a lot of people will be very happy with 9. And from what I've seen on Facebook, it seems like people are. I think some of the critics badmouth it, but the critics, I mean, I'm not a fan of movie critics anyway. I don't, I think movie critics should have a very niche subject, right? So like, if I was going to start a movie critic website, I'd have like a horror guy, a sci-fi guy, a drama guy, you know, a romantic comedy guy, whatever, right? So everyone has their own specialty, and that way you can align with what type of person that is and listen to what they say about the review. Because I feel like, you know, these generic movie critics, they're like all they do is watch movies. So yeah, they're going to be critical if they've seen the similar story someplace else. But overall, I think they're doing a good job. And I think if you took a bunch of generic sci-fi fans who had never seen Star Wars and showed them each of the trilogies, right? Episodes 1, 2, 3, episodes 4, 5, and 6, and 7, 8, and 9. I think 7, 8, and 9 would probably win across the board as, quote-unquote, the best trilogy. Now, obviously, because I grew up with 4, 5, and 6, I am partial to that, so regardless of 7, 8, and 9 do, it'll never be better than 4, 5, and 6, just because that's my childhood. Um, I think... The people who are growing up with 7, 8, and 9 now uh, will say the same thing as Star Wars continues to expand. You know, they continue to expand doing things like The Mandalorian and Rogue One and Solo. And with Disney owning Star Wars, I don't see them stopping any sort of expansion. Um, will we see episodes 10, 11, and 12 at some point? I don't know. Maybe. I would say probably based off uh, just that's just what companies do. If they know they're going to make money on stuff, they're going to do it. But... Um, I would be okay if they just stayed in spinoffs and branch ones from this point forward, but we'll see. I also think there was a lot of callbacks. In, in se- 7 was almost like a duplicate of like 4, 5, and 6 parts of it, So, which I, thought, I think is what we needed at that point because people were just tired of all the uh, special effects and kind of the storylines from 1, 2, and 3. Um, I liked 8 a lot, Last Jedi, because it was completely against the grain of everything, right? Like, I thought the lightsaber fight at the end of Last Jedi was just, which is one of my favorite lightsaber fights, and there's never, lightsabers never touch each other during that, right? Between uh, Ghost Luke there and Kylo Ren at the end of uh, Last Jedi. But um, I just thought it was a really cool concept, and I liked how they pushed against the grain of pretty much everything Star Wars has set up before that. That was very clever. And then 9, again, not going to comment on it too much because I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I think go see it. I think you'll be surprised and pleasantly impressed. Um, it took me probably 20, 30 minutes before I really started getting into it. I thought the beginning felt just felt rushed to me, but then once it started going, it, it got really good. And then there's a lot of callbacks and throwbacks to the originals in there. And you can tell there's some stuff that they put in there. Um, based off like fan complaints and memes from the internet that 
you know, they addressed <laughs> wrongs from the past, kind of, which is which is really cool to say. So I would definitely go see Rise of Skywalker. But it was done very well. I just took my family, uh, my brother-in-law, to see it. So, super cool. All right, I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and has a good start to their New Year. Uh, if you're going to make a New Year's resolution, don't wait until January 1st to make the change. If it's important enough to make a change in your life, just go ahead and do it now. Uh, I think the people who wait to January 1st find out that it's not. Im- if it was important enough to wait an extra 10 days, then it's, you know, it's probably not important enough to make the life decision at all. So go ahead and make those New Year's resolutions now and start adjusting your behavior accordingly. Finally, I'm not going to share something personal about myself that you may not have known, but I will share a random fact that I learned uh, last week while listening to a different podcast. So if you're familiar with Santa Claus, is based on an actual person, St. Nicholas of Mira. Uh, if you want to look up St. Nicholas of Mira, it's got some pretty interesting background. But my favorite story about him was during the Council of Nicaea, one of the early church councils where they were, you know, kind of deciding on some of the generic rules and beliefs of the church, kind of consolidating those ideas. Uh, he apparently walked in and slapped one of the heretics in the face, uh, supporter of Arianism. So if you actually look up the Greek Orthodox icon of the Council of Nicaea, there was a guy laying on the ground who apparently was slapped by St. Nicholas, uh, which I just find very amusing that Santa Claus walked into who's a very holy man, right, like a, a bishop in the church, walked into a meeting with a bunch of other religious leaders and essentially slapped someone in the face and then got kicked out of the meeting. So it's my fun fact for the day. Go ahead and look up St. Nicholas on Wikipedia, and you can check some of that information and then cross-check it against some little more legitimate sources, but uh, Wikipedia has that information condensed into one place that's easy to reference if you don't want to look too deep. That's it. Have a Merry Christmas. Go see Star Wars. It's awesome. And yeah, start training. We got big things planned for 2020. And stay tuned. I'm excited to see who gets to go to Hannibal Race Kuwait because by the time the next episode comes out, we'll have made that announcement and announced who has won the books and the Blegmits. So check that out. Make sure you enter. And uh, yeah, I'll see all you guys in 2020. Yeah.